And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. week of our message series, The Circle Maker, and, and Carla came up to me, and she goes, hey, I was going through some old news feeds, and, and realized that you preached over The Circle Maker 10 years ago, and she goes, I didn't want to throw that out there, and let everyone go, wow, he, he really is not that creative, but there was a reason why I circled back to The Circle Maker. Did you get what I just did there? Thank you. I'll be here all week. Make sure to tip your servers. <laughs> right now, people are like, what's that mean? Never mind. But 10 years ago, we started on a, on, a, on a journey in which God was calling us to step out. And, and I want to go a little bit even further back to that. I remember the first year that Terry and I were in Ponca City. It was uh, the last millennia, in case you're wondering. That was 1999. And I remember just praying and asking God, you know, what, what, what should we do? And I remember coming to Terry and I said, you know, God told me if we just reach people, he'll also bring people to help us reach more people. And so there are people who've come in, and Terry's talking about that God is freed from addiction, that God is, uh, has done tremendous things and has forgiven sin and has helped them to grow. And then there's other people that have come alongside and said, man, I love what God is doing. I want to be a part of the team, and I want to know how I can support, how I can build up, and how I can encourage this. And it's great to watch what God is doing. And I, I want to talk specifically this morning about praying long. No, no, I'm not talking about long prayers. I grew up, my dad was a pastor, and I remember when my dad would pray, I would go, great, we're never getting out of here. They'd ask my dad to pray for meals. I'm like, I'm hungry. Why can't you ask somebody who's not a minister to pray? I keep that in mind now because now when I pray for meals, my goal is 60 seconds. Can I, can I thank God for the food in 60 seconds? Because I know I have teenage sons who are like, you know, dad, we're hungry. But what I'm talking about is praying long is, what's our long-term plan? Are you willing to pray through? Are you willing to pray all the way to the end? Are you willing to pray until God moves, until God has opened up the floodgates, opened up the doors, and God has moved? Several years ago, there was a country that received a notification that this island of Visigio, which normally did not have oak trees on it, but had an entire forest of oak trees, and everybody was confused about it. Why does this island have, not, have oak trees? It's not indigenous to this island. Why is it going on? But this country received notification that their oak trees had come to fruition and they could now harvest them to make ships. The country goes, what? And so they grabbed, called in the historians. They went back and realized in 1829, they discovered that it takes an oak tree 150 years to get the full maturity. 
And they tell you, no, in 150 years from now, we're still going to have wars. We're going to need a navy. And all the greatest ships are made out of oak. So why don't we plant oak trees so in 150 years they can come? It almost unanimously passed. There was one person who abstained from it, and their abstention was this. How do we know they're still going to make ships out of wood in 150 years? Everybody laughed at them. Anyone know what a naval ship is made out of nowadays? Steel, you flunk. No college for you. We, we, we look at this, and sometimes thinking long is thinking differently, saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, not just for a couple of days, not just for a couple of weeks, but I am going to pray all the way through. I'm going to pray for the long term. I'm not going to stop praying because God has put it on my heart, and God has asked me to pray. Terry and I have a, a, a precious friend. Her name was Margaret. She passed away a few years ago, and Margaret had a prayer journal, and you could tell when God answered her prayer because she just drew a line through it in her prayer journal. And so when, when we were praying for the sale of our other property over on Brookfield, and we were praying for that it would happen, once it happened and we, we signed into a, a lease-to-own agreement with a church, she just drew a line through it. But I remember the day that we went over to close on that and to sign the final contracts and to give the keys over to the new church and the pray a prayer blessing over them. Terry was supposed to meet us there, and Terry did not show. And if you know my wife, my, my wife is not a no-show type of person. So she's running late, and so she calls me, and I'm like, Terry, come on. Get over here. We need you to take pictures. We need you to do this. And she goes, Mark, um, something's wrong with Margaret. I'm going over to check on her. And I go, okay. And she goes, well, Gary's out of town. He called me, and he's concerned about Margaret, and she didn't sound very good, so I'm going over there to check on her. And something had happened, and, and she had lost some of her thought processes. And, and so we went to the hospital, and, and I go over to see her in the hospital. And, and we're sitting in there, and, and she's not making sense, but she's kind of making sense, but she's not making sense. And so they said, hey, we're going to keep her overnight. And so I, I talked with Gary, her husband, and I said, hey, I'll be back in the morning to check and see how things are going. And he goes, okay, it sounds good. And so I came back, and he said, hey, do you mind sitting here with Margaret while I go home? And uh, she's having some problems. She, she keeps trying to pull out all the cords they've got connected to her, and they want to keep those in there. Just, I just need to go home and take a shower and grab some stuff and come back. He says, I, I won't be long. I said, no problem, Gary. I've, I've got it. So I stayed with her, and, and she was kind of coming in and out of lucidity, clearness, and, and, but for the most part, it was okay. Well, I come back that night to see her and pray with her again, and I come in there, and I say, Margaret, how are you doing? And she looks at me, and she goes, Wayne? who's her son, I've told you, you're to call me mom. And I'm like, okay. And, I, I, and Gary looked at me, and he goes, she's getting worse, Pastor. She's getting worse. And so we sat there, and we visited for a little bit, and, and I said, Gary, I, I got to get home. I said, I want to pray with you real quick. And so I grabbed his hand, I grabbed her hand, and we prayed and when I finished praying, she looked up and she goes, oh, pastor, that was a great prayer. And I went, oh, thank you, Margaret. And she goes, Wayne. And I went, oh. The next morning I come in, and she's even worse the night before. I, I mean, just how she was digressing this entire time, it was just, just it, was, it was killing me. It was burning my soul. And, and I sat there and they had a curtain up because they were trying to change clothes, and she was fighting against the nurses to change clothes. And so I stayed on the other side of the curtain 
And I'm sitting over there and I'm praying and I'm singing this song. This is how we fight our battles. But it seems like we're surrounded. We're, we're actually at our strongest. We're on our knees. We're praying. And I'm just asking God to move. I'm asking God to, to, to move in, in miraculous ways. We, we're not sure what's going on. The doctors don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. And I sit there and I'm praying. I get on the other side and Gary has tears coming down. He goes, oh, he called her Margie. Margie. He says, please listen to the doctors. And again, I pray with them, and I, I look at Gary, and I said, Gary, I said, I, I'm here. I said, you need me. Call me. I'll be here. I go, nothing's more important today than you and Margaret. I said, I, I'm here. That evening, I go in, and Margaret is completely clear as a day. And the doctor said, well, she became dehydrated, which, by the way, drink your water. And when you get older and you're dehydrated, it affects your brain. And they said, the only thing we can say is that she was so dehydrated that it affected her. You know, and I, I want you to know, I, I prayed for Margaret's healing that day. And I prayed for Margaret's healing the day before. Terry and I had been praying for three days for Margaret's healing. God healed Margaret. But a greater event took place in January of 2020. And you're probably thinking COVID, and it was pre-COVID. But Margaret went home to see Jesus. Just because God healed her didn't mean that God was going to grant her eternal life here on earth. But God did grant her eternal life, and it was in heaven. It was with him. And, you know, you, you look at this, and these long prayers and, and, and praying consistently and, and laying on your face. You're like, well, Mark, it was only three days, but I know people who've prayed prayers for years. And I look at us getting into this building. We talk about six years of consistent prayer for this building to come, into, to come to us and for us to inherit the building. But I look at people who've prayed for 60 years in the same prayer. I look at people who've prayed until the moment they passed away for God to answer, for God to move. And after they had passed away, their legacy was that God answered those prayers. What prayers are you willing to pray that you will pray into your very last breath? You know, as parents, we pray over our boys. And, and Terry and I, and it's not exotic, crazy prayers. We pray that they would be filled with the Spirit of God. We pray that they would be leaders at school. We, we pray that they would be men of, of great faith. We pray that they would be leaders. Sometimes we even encourage them to become friends with people that they wouldn't naturally want to hang out with. And that's tough. But our prayers for them is this. Be used by God. We, we, we pray for the, the teachers that teach our kids. We have amazing teachers, and we've been blessed by the teachers that our boys have had. Teachers that took an interest in them. Teachers that encouraged them. Teachers that lifted them up. Teachers that, when they were going through stuff, said, hey, we're here for you, we, we care about you. What are you willing to pray that you'll spend the rest of your life praying about? In Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 12, then he said, Daniel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Don't, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit 
prince of the king of Persia, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him, and there my spirit, there with the spirit prince of the king of Persia. Here's what's going on. Daniel had been praying for 21 days for God to answer. Three weeks. The angel of the Lord comes to Daniel, and here's a great Yiddish word for you, a great Jewish word for you. Chutzpah. Chutzpah means holy boldness. And it can just literally mean boldness. In our sense, we're going to use it as holy boldness. But holy boldness is where you say to someone, where have you been? It, 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 holy boldness would be when I go to pick up the boys at school, and I'm a few minutes late, and they look at me, and they're like, where have you been? And I'm like, hey, you're, 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 it's okay. I'm here. There was a holy boldness with Daniel in which he looked at the angel of the Lord and said, hey, where have you been? He's asking, I've been praying for 21 days, and I want to know, where have you been? And what does he say? Daniel, you don't understand the spiritual warfare. You don't understand the battles that are being waged in the spiritual realms. You don't understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the spirits of this world. And so with such spirits, I've waged battle to come here. When we look at our prayers and we have these prayers and we say, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering this? Why aren't you doing this? Sometimes we just have to continue to pray and seek God and say, God, I will not leave. I will not get off my knees. I will not stop praying about this. I will pray about it day and night, but I am going to prayer. Christians tend to underestimate the power of enduring prayer. What is the prayer that you've prayed that transcends your life? We have to have a, a sense of enduring prayer. There's a sense about going to your knees. Right there in the first part of Daniel chapter 10, it says, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All this time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until three weeks had passed. He's saying, I'm fasting before God, and I will not break this fast until God answers. I love food. I I really do. There, There are times at night where... I just get a craving for a certain type of food. And I'll sit there, I'm like, man, I, I really want to eat right now. And to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to put all those cravings on the side. In case you're wondering, my go-to food late at night is chips and salsa. I just love that, that, that salty taste. Yes, yes. You know what's really annoying about loving chips and salsa? When you have a 13-year-old son who also likes chips, and you go over there, and you have three empty bags of chips on top of the refrigerator. <laughs> Can you imagine putting all of that craving on a side burner just to seek God? He's saying, I won't eat. I'm not going to put lotion on. I'm going to stay here before God. James 4, 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. If God were to ask us, where does our loyalty lie? Where would we say? See, Daniel was known as a Renaissance man long before Renaissance men were known about. He, he was a, a man who could interpret dreams. He's a man of, of philosophy. But more important than Daniel's IQ was Daniel's PQ. His prayer quotient. 
He's saying, I'm willing to spend all day, all night in prayer. I'm willing to go before God. In fact, there is a story in the Old Testament in which Daniel is praying, and everybody else says, you know what? We need to get Daniel to stop praying, and, and so we have to come up with a law that says that it is outlawed to pray to anybody, man or God, except for the king. And the king was not that smart, and so he goes, okay, let's sign it in the law. Daniel did not care. You know what Daniel did? He went and prayed. Not only did he pray, now I'm going to tell you something, okay? When I was growing up, and I, I was taught by my, my, my parents that I should pray before every meal, they, they might have got a little bit overboard. I was afraid if I didn't pray, I might die and choke on the food. I have eaten food without praying before, and I did not choke or die. But they were telling me we should bless our food. I would go to school, and my friends did not have the same convictions that I did about praying for your meal, and so I had to come up with a way of praying, without letting everybody know that I was praying over my food. And what I would do is I'd pick up my fork, and I would bow my head, close my eyes, and quickly pray while circling my fork over the food like I was deciding what to eat. Anybody here ever done that? See, you guys are such better Christians than me. I mean, look at you guys. You're, you're leaps and bounds ahead of where I was. You know what Daniel did? He sat in front of an open window so everybody could see that he was praying. You see, there, there's that sense with Daniel where he just said, you know what, it's time to stop, drop, and pray. In the National Institute of Art, there's this huge painting of Daniel in the lion's den. Justin, you want to pop that up on the screen for us? Here it is. You, you see, apparently Daniel was also part of God's gym because he's very, very buff and very strong. <laughs> I, I tell you right now that he could probably rip the lions apart with his bare hands, kind of that AKA Samson type of thing. But notice what he's doing. Even there in the lion's den, he's praying. And that's what God is saying, man, I want to know, are you going to fervently pray? Are you going to come before me every day, every time, you have a, every time you have an opportunity and pray? Are you going to seek me out and pray? Toby Mack has a song called Me With, me with You. And he asked this question, he said, where would I be without you? I'd be packing my bags when I needed to stay. I'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way. I'd be building my kingdom just to watch it fade away. It's true. That's me without you. We need to realize that our life is better with God than without God. We need to realize that we can't build our own kingdom here on earth and, and build a side room for God, but God has got to be every part, every aspect of our life, and he's got to be the chief cornerstone of what we're building. Even when King Darius outlawed prayer, Daniel continued to stop, drop, and pray. He says, it doesn't matter, I'm still going to pray. In America, if they were to come up and say, you know what, prayer is outlawed, you can no longer pray, would you still pray? So Terry and I went to college in Oklahoma Western University, and there's a ministry over there called Voice of the Martyrs. It used to be uh, um, another ministry by the Christians in Communism. But this ministry, part of what they did, and I had a friend of mine who smuggled Bibles into China. And he, he's, he's, a, he's an accountant, and I would never, 
Nothing against accountants, but I would never assume an accountant would do something so devious. For the glory of God, of course. We had a guy that would come and speak at chapel, and I remember the first couple of times he came and preached, I always thought he was kind of boring and kind of dry, until he shared with us a story about how he was thrown in prison in Cuba. I'm like, dude, guy's got street cred now. He was thrown in prison in Cuba for smuggling Bibles into Cuba, and then, it's so cool, he discovered that when you take a shower with the soap there and you kind of rub it on, that you know, the soap starts to fade away after a while. So here's what he would do. He would go to the ch- shower every day and he would write scripture verses on these little pieces of paper. And as he was taking a, taking a shower, he would mold the soap up over the scripture verses so the next guy who's in there taking a shower would say, oh, there's paper in here, and would read the word of God. And he was talking about how people were getting saved in a Cuban jail because they were reading the word of God. And I'm like thinking to myself, you know what? If I'm in prison, all I'm thinking about is, how do I get out of here? One of my life goals on my bucket list is never to go to jail. And I'm telling you right now, I have lived up to that life goal. But Daniel, he's saying, you know what? let Let me throw this in there. If it were to become illegal to be a Christian, I hope there would be enough evidence to convict me. Daniel had a prophecy from God that took 70 years from the moment when God gave it to him for it to come to fruition. How many of us would pray for something for 70 years? I mean... That's older than I am. And I remember thinking when I was in high school that if you were 30, I thought, man, they're they're really old people. In fact, one year at youth camp, somebody was asking a kid, at this time, I was 35 years old, and someone asked this kid, well, who's who's the counselor in your cabin? He goes, oh, it's the old guy over there. And I'm like, I'm 35 years old. And he goes, well, you know, most pro... Pro athletes retire at 35. That was when I realized I was glad I wasn't playing a pro sport because I wasn't ready for retirement. But Daniel prophesied for them to go back to Israel. But he said it was going to take 70 years. Listen to this in in Daniel 9.24. A period of 70 sets of seven, 70 years, had been decreed for your people in the holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Is it possible to pray a prayer for 70 years? If God were to give you a dream of something that was going to happen 70 years from now, would you be willing to invest in that dream? Would you be willing to pour it out? Would you be willing to pray? Would you be willing to say, you know what? It's not going to happen in my lifetime, but I'm going to do everything I can to get my family ready for 70 years. Ephesians 1.10, Paul says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Time. In the Greek, they have two words for time. They have chronos, which we translate as chronology, and it's talking about literally time in a timeline. 
like 1030, 1130, 1230, September 24th, whatever. Do you remember the 21st day of September? That's chronology. That is chronos. But then it also has another term. It's called kairos, and that's the fullness of time when something comes to fruition. So kairos would be if you are a gardener, you know that a certain time that your plants come ripe and they are ready to be harvested. Unless, of course, you're Jack's tomato plant, which never has any chronos or kairos. The fullness of time. And so right here, he's saying, don't you know that at the fullness of time, at just the right time. So think about this. There was a chrono- chronological event in which Christ died for the sins of all humanity. But God said it happened at just the right time. The Roman Empire had to come into fruition. The Roman Empire had to build roads. The Roman Empire had to make international trade possible. So the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, the good news could be spread through the entire world. It also made it possible for Jesus to die the most excruciating death ever known to mankind at the fullness of time, at just the right time. What's it like to pray circles? What's it like to have an enduring prayer life? Christians tend to underestimate the power of enduring prayer. Find your prayer posture. You know, when we teach kids how to pray, we tell them to fold their hands, close their eyes, and bow their head. You know why we tell kids to do that? So they don't touch their neighbor. I have attention issues. And so whenever I go out to a restaurant or a coffee shop or go out to eat with somebody, I make sure that my back is at the door which makes Dennis and I great people to go out to coffee together because Dennis always wants to see the door, and I don't want to see the door at all. Partly because Dennis is, is, is coming up with an escape plan if something comes in with a good... See, Dennis will protect me. <laughs> I will not. Well, I need somebody to protect me. I mean, usually it's Terry, but... I get distracted, and so if the door opens, like, ooh, something's shiny, and, and, and so... I always, when I go out and I want to visit with someone, I always sit with my back to the door so that I'm not distracted. So in my, in my prayer time, I have to remove distractions. I, I take my phone off of me. I sit at someplace else. Even the vibration of my phone will distract me. But there's different ways in the Bible that talks about how people would, would pray before God. There was bowing. Sometimes they would lay out prostrate, and they would just bow down, and they would not get up. Until they were done. I remember we had a guy who went to a total knee replacement surgery, and they said there are certain things you should never do. One of them is kneel. And he looked at me and he says, I always kneel when I pray, and I will continue to kneel when I pray. And I'm like, hey, maybe you shouldn't kneel. He goes, I would rather not get up and stop praying. Okay, let's do that. Sometimes there's falling on our face before God. Nehemiah talks about that when you would just fall on your face before God. Sometimes they're, they're standing in prayer. The Quakers would stand with arms held open, up, up wide. But here's how they would pray. So they would start, they would pray like this. And then they would rotate their hands around. Like they were dropping what was in their hands and then turning them around to catch what God had to pour out for them. Terry and I heard about this group several years ago called the Shakers, and 
You know how they would pray? They would shake. That's why they were called the shakers. And so they would sit there, and they would pray, and they, would, they, they got so into what God was doing that they would just literally shake. And so when we were in Kentucky back in 2012, we went to a, a, a shaker plantation where they lived, and they held church services and all of this. And we asked a tour guide, we said, well, are there any shakers left in the world today? And he goes, and he starts laughing. I'm like, well, I didn't think anything was funny about that, but Okay. But when you became a shaker, you took a, life, you took a lifelong vow of celibacy. And you're like, what? How'd they have kids? And that was my question because they had a men's dorm, a woman's dorm, and a kid's dorm. I'm like, where'd the kids come from? <laughs> See, right now, Terry's embarrassed. But you're all wondering the same thing I'm wondering, Right? They would find orphans, and they would bring them in, and they would raise them. The last known shaker in North America died in 1920. But they were known for their prayer life. What stance do you take when you're praying before God? What, What is it right now that you are praying that you're saying, oh, I'm going to pray for the rest of my life for this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for generations over this. This is going to be who I am. This is going to define me. When I, uh, we were taking my, my brother to college back in 1989, and we stopped at my grandma's house in Colorado, and uh, she went to say goodbye to my dad, and she started crying, and she hugged him, and she kissed him, and I'm like, that's really weird. And she goes, you never stop loving or praying for your kids. There might be things in our life that we're praying for that are going to be a lifelong prayer. It might not be for the promised land or the new Jerusalem, but there might be things that we're praying for saying, you know what, this is my lifelong prayer. I want to give you an opportunity as we, we close things out this morning. If there's something, you don't have to, you have to talk to him about it, but you just want to come to the altar. You know what, there's, there's things in my life that I'm praying about. Lifelong prayers. See, our, our chief goal as a church, as a leadership team, is that we raise the lid for you. And by that, it means we allow you to grow to what God is calling you to. And I want to raise the lid in your prayer life to say, you know what? It's okay to pray for a lifetime for something. I've known people who've prayed until the day they died, and God did not answer their prayer until long after they passed away. Sometimes I look at that, I'm like, man, what heartbreak that must be. George Mueller, a praying saint in the church, was asked a question one time, has God ever not answered your prayer? You know what he said? Not yet. And there were two men that he was praying for, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. One of them, while he was on his deathbed, knelt down there and he said, Oh, for a faith like yours, I'd give everything for. And in that moment, prayed for Jesus Christ to come into his life. The other man as they were lowering 
Mueller into the ground. He bowed on his knees and said, I need Jesus in my life. In my mind, and I'm sure this, this isn't completely biblical because I can't find it anywhere in there, but I think that maybe an angel came over to Mueller and said, hey, I want you to know he did it. What are you praying a lifetime for? I'm going to open up the altar and allow you to come, just allow you to pour out your heart before God and just say, God, this is, I'm praying a lifetime for this. As Ashley sings, let it rain. I pray that God would let it rain in your life.